Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam Rasulullah. You listen to Islam tomorrow, we're broadcasting live. Almost live. Almost live. We're not hooked up right now. Okay. From South Bend, Indiana. We've had a great program here tonight talking about women. We just had one lady entering to Islam. And by the way, the door is still open for others. I don't want to leave that out. We have some questions here, and I'd like to try to provide an answer. But I tell you, many times, if, if, if you know me very well, you know that I don't really like the questions part. Because what I talk about is stuff I already know really good, and it's hard to catch me in stuff that I studied. Because I read it. I know about it. But when you ask me a question, then you can find out how much I really don't know. So I always say, well, if you have, you know, question and answer period, there's two words here, question and answer. So if you'd like to send me the answers, I'll try to figure out the questions. You know, like Jeopardy? I don't mind. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> okay, first question, was Allah ever born? This is a good question. A lot of people, not Muslim, ask such a question. Was Allah ever born? According to the Bible, no. According to the Old Testament and the New Testament, no. According to the Quran, no. Allah is eternal. He's without beginning and without end. And it's also in the old language called Alpha and Omega. Means the beginning and the end. He is without beginning, without end. He is eternal and there's nothing like Him. And Allah said the same thing in the Quran that He is Al-Awwal wa Al-Akhir. The first and the last. He is always and eternal. And there's one word, As-Samad, which is one of His names, which is eternal. So Allah is without beginning and without end. He always was and always will be. A very good question. And according to the Bible, God is not a man, nor is He the Son of Man. You read that in the book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19. You read it again in the Quran, in chapter 112, called, that's the name, uh, the uh, Ikhlas is actually the name of it. It's not, the word is not there, but in the surah. It says, Lam yalid walam yulad walam ahad. He's not the son of anything, not the father of anything, and there's nothing that compares to him because he is ahad, which means one and uniquely one, nothing else like him. Good question. Thank you. Next question, what are the 99 names of Allah? <laughs> well, you got me. I knew if I kept going, I was going to get caught. No, I did not memorize all 99 names yet. But what does it mean? These are the characteristics, attributes of Allah that describe the epitome of each one of those attributes. For instance, Allah is Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Ar-Rahman comes from Rahama. Ar-Rahim comes from the same root, Rahama. And it means that He is so merciful, so beneficent. He is so gracious that there is none that can compare to His graciousness and His mercy. He is the epitome of that. He is the merciful. You can be a merciful person, but He is all merciful. So each one of these is all and totally. He is a sabur, which means steadfast, persevering, and patient. But it doesn't mean He has it. It means He is it. Totally. Where you can have some patience, but it doesn't last, whereas He is totally and completely patient. He is al-gufur, which means the forgiving. He is the forgiver. All forgiving. None can forgive like He can forgive. And in fact, he tells us in the Quran that he forgives everything except one thing, and that's when people make partners with him in worship. That he doesn't forgive. So when we talk about his characteristics or his name, what we're talking about are his attributes, and he is the epitome of every attribute. 
So I hope that answered your question. As far as how many did I memorize, not even half of them yet. But I'm working on it. Give me time, inshallah. Next, can men wear one or two earrings? You were doing so good on the other questions. I can't believe you did that. Okay. In Islam, in Islam, we know from the Quran, Allah tells us about the people who alter the creation of Allah and they used to have superstitions and they would cut or mark the animals. They would, you know, mark them and even put earrings and things like this in their cattle, in their sheep, things like that. Allah forbids that. He doesn't like us altering the creation. For this reason, and that's a good reason, we don't tattoo ourselves or brand ourselves or put holes in our body and things like that. However, the women do it and... Uh, my wife did it, my daughters did it, and they gave all their proofs for what they did, but, so I had to shut up. But, uh, I don't know. I don't like to see men wearing earrings, because, uh, really, I'm afraid that this is going in an area we don't need to go into. But I'm not gonna say that somebody's kafir because they got an earring. I think that's wrong too. I think what we should say is that's not the best thing you can do with your money or your time. And if a woman likes to see a man with no beard, and wearing earrings, I got to wonder, what kind of woman is this that wants her husband to look like another woman? Okay, next question. <laughs> How many programs do I do? <laughs> I don't know. No idea. We have thousands of them recorded, but uh, an average might be five to ten programs per week. And hardly any weeks off. Where do I go next? I hope I get to go home to change clothes before I go to Australia. But look for us down in Australia, inshallah. Inshallah. Alhamdulillah. If a woman has to go to the hospital due to a sudden emergency condition, the only doctor is a male, then what should she do? Well, that's already happened in my family. We, we already looked into that one a number of times because my wife has to go three, four times a week, every week. She's had cancer. She's had a number of other problems. And the things that happen after you have the treatments, she suffers every single day. Nobody really can compare men to women because I've seen the suffering she does without mentioning a word. And I, I just told you, we can't even take a paper cut and we're crying all the time. But... Um, we did find out that when there's no woman doctor available, that a male doctor is suffices because that's uh, it's called the rura in Arabic, which means it's a necessity and you can't help it. It's not something you want, but it's something you have to do. You know, there's no compensation that she has to pay for that. That's that is what Allah gave her to deal with, and she did her best. And my wife, uh, by the way, my wife. It's her opinion that women are better off to cover their faces. She doesn't say it's wajib. She never told anybody they had to, but she said, I just like that. That's her opinion. So because she also had a problem with a uh, something on her uh, tooth or jaw that was really bad, bothering her so bad, she had to show that. So what she did, she just pulled this up and let them look at that. That's it. So, uh, you know, you should, that means you tried your best to do whatever it was. So whatever they have to look at, they have to look at. May Allah, you know, forgive us for any shortcomings. But Allah is very forgiving. He even talks about that to the women in Surah uh, An-Nur, chapter 24, in verse 31, when he talks about how he's forgiving for what women can't help. And this may or may not be included there, but surely Allah, He is very forgiving. 
I want to talk about the celebration of birthdays, celebrating marriage anniversaries. Why is it forbidden or is it forbidden? Well, the Prophet is the guide for us. If he did something, you should do it. When he saw other people having different kinds of celebrations, he said himself that we have two celebrations. This is from him. It's called Edain, and this is what he said. So with respect to those who like to celebrate things and say we celebrate his birthday, we celebrate our birthday, we celebrate, you know, Washington's birthday, all these different things, this is not what he told us. And when it comes to celebrating his birthday, he said specifically, do not eulogize me as the Christians eulogize my brother Jesus. Meaning, don't fall into the same trap. And usually when we find people who celebrate the birthday of the Prophet ﷺ, we find that they also have other innovations they like to add along with that too. And another, and another, and another, and another. And where will it stop? So, when will you stop? I mean, you know, if you said, well, maybe it's okay. But the Prophet ﷺ warned us about the things which are in doubt. He said the halal is clear, haram is clear, and then there's these doubts. Leave the doubtful. This is preservation of your own deen. And if you want to celebrate his birthday, at least I warn you, and on the Day of Judgment, I'm free from that. But I won't say that it's haram, because if I did that, that might be too far. But I tell you, it's not good. You're asking a question about women, and I want to answer it. The, in Surah Al-Hazab, chapter 33, verse 50, you said 58, it's not, it's verse 59. But anyway, that's okay. It says, Ya Yuan Nabi, which means, O oh my Nabi or my Prophet, tell your Azwajika, which is your wives, Wabinatika, which is your daughters, and the believing women. You didn't put that in here, but it was to all the women. This is not just the his wife and it's not just to his daughter this is to all the believing women that uh, that they have to cover themselves they have to totally cover themselves with abaya when they go out now there's different words that Allah used in Quran the other word that he used in Surah uh, An-Nur was the word khimar and the khimar used to be worn in the back of the head they knew what that was because a lot of women wore it, you know just wore it that was a custom and he ordered them to draw it down or drop it over their juyubihina which is the chest area where the cleavage is and they have to bring it down over and that's exactly why so many of the women of the time from the Meccan women covered their faces as well because it was just real easy drop that down cover it all up and they used to be called they called them black crows because you couldn't tell anything except that it was black wherever they went so as far as being annoyed, it means so that women will not be annoyed by what? By men staring at them. And you, you may not be aware of this, uh, but I think many of you are. There's something in Islam called the evil eye. The eye is something very serious. Nobody wants it. We seek protection from it in the Quran. Allah warns us about it. And how we seek protection, we ask Allah for protection from these things in the last two surahs. You should recite them every night. Ladies... Men, both of you, you should recite this because it is protection. It's very good. The Prophet ﷺ, when it was revealed, he never left off doing that. So we should do the same. Now, when a woman is going around without being properly covered, there are men, non-Muslim and Muslim, and we're just saying men in general, 
who will look at you with the evil eye because they say, hey baby, hey what's up, hey. Or even in their heart and it's still the eye on you. And Allah is warning you. That's why we warn the sisters, don't turn your hijab into artwork. Don't turn your hijab into an attraction because that was the whole idea to start with that you're not trying to cause people to stare at you. And you go out here and you've got, uh, I'm sorry to mention, but some of our sisters, they got signboards with messages about Allah, about Islam, across their chest, across their back. They're walking around with the, they think they're wearing hijab, they got a scarf on and blue jeans. But men are looking at you. And Allah is telling you how to avoid this kind of annoyance. It doesn't mean that... Because I know what some sisters' argument is. You know what they told me? Well, if I wear a hijab, I'm calling attention to myself. If I'm here with the non-Muslim ladies, I could just dress like they do and nobody notices me. That isn't what Allah said. Don't let the sisters come to you and twist that. You sisters all wearing hijab, you know. But these other sisters, when they come with that stuff, don't let them pull that on you. Because that's not what Allah said, and you know that's not the meaning. It's a big test. I don't want to be a woman. Alhamdulillah, I'm a man. I don't want the test of a woman. It's too hard. I couldn't do it. I don't know how women can do it. I told my wife many times. Hijab, I told her, we were riding down the road. My wife does all the driving, by the way. They don't let me drive. If you ever rode with me, you'd know why. (laughs) I have two gears. Fast (laughs) and faster. And I don't need a break because I'll hit something eventually. So, <laughs> they don't let me drive. So, here's my wife driving. She wouldn't know. Can you imagine this? She did it in Saudi Arabia, by the way, in Mecca. Which, they don't allow that. She said, but I, she just, I just want to show them that's not Islam. So, she was a, a brother suburban. She put her gear, drove off, and he's standing there going, oh! <laughs> But we're riding one night. It was so hot. We don't have air conditioning in the car, alhamdulillah. But it's so hot. And it's at night. And I told her, I said, you know, you can take that face cover off. Nobody can see you on the freeway. She said, no, I'm not going to do it. She said, what if a truck passed by? I said, a truck? How is he going to see you at night? He's trying to see the road. Just, you know, you can relax. And while I'm talking to her, she said, you know what? Allah can see me and I'm happy. I said, okay. So I don't, I don't want to be a woman. It's too hard. It's too hard. You girls have so much that you have to put up with, including us. Can girls pierce their ears? I guess so. I don't know. Good question. I don't want to ask the question. Sometimes, and by the way, I, there are some questions I don't want to ask. You know why? Because I don't want to know the answer. Especially if I eat something, I really like it. Somebody say, wait a minute, is that haram? Don't ask till I'm done. I don't want to know. Oh, here's a good question. We discussed before that there was a protection for the women under darkness. One of you sisters asked the question. Because there's protection in Fajr, Maghrib and Isha for the women when they came to the masjid of the darkness. You said, well, what about Doher and Asr? They didn't go. They didn't go to the masjid of Doher and Asr. Women knew better. They'd be out in broad daylight and they didn't do that. They stayed home because, it's, first of all, it's cooler and you didn't have to put the hijab on and go traipsing around. What are you going to do with the kids? You got all these, you know, so they didn't do that. But they did go at Maghrib and a lot of times if the Prophet was going to talk, they would like to be there and hear it. And by the way, there's another point. I don't know if you know about this. Well, there's one, uh, it's a hadith and it's in uh, Sahih Bukhari, I think it was. I just read it. 
is talking about Aisha, that the Prophet ﷺ is in the masjid, and she's on her menstrual cycle, her time of the month, and she is washing his hair. And how she did this? Is that a good question? Anybody know how she did this? Huh? How? He put his head inside the door. It's not a window, it's a door. Because his house was the masjid. Right on the edge of the masjid. This is, I mean, the, the wall of his house is the wall of the masjid. So when he put his head inside, she was his head legally in Islam, his head was in her house. And she washed his hair. She did not enter the masjid. Okay? Everybody with me on that? Because women are not supposed to enter the masjid during that time. They're not supposed to do that. But there's exceptions. By the way, there's exceptions to every rule. If it's something that's an emergency, nobody's going to stop her from there. If she had to save a child's life, no, I have to stand here and watch you die. Come on, you know that. It's not what it means. Here's one that asks, can women follow a dead body to the grave? I'm sure you're talking about the janazia. At the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the women had very bad habit. Very bad habit. In some countries I visited, some women still do this today. Is that when somebody dies, they scream and holler and wail, tear at their hair, rip off their hijab. They go crazy. And at some of the times, in one country I visited, they pay women to go do that for them. Yes, I don't want to say it was Maghrib, but... Anyway... <laughs> She know, I'm telling you the truth or no, stop me if I'm wrong. Some people do stuff like this. But it's totally wrong in Islam. And here's why. Please understand the hukum behind this. The the um, what is hukum in English? Wisdom. Yeah, exactly. I tried to learn Arabic now I forgot my English. Alhamdulillah, I keep getting the good answers from the sisters too, by the way, you notice that. But during the the time of the Rasul these women did that and he said that the man in the grave is being punished for these women who are doing this. Now in Islam we know nobody is ever punished for what other people do. So that would be a contradiction unless you understood the meaning. Nobody is punished for what other people do. Isn't that true? Especially a dead person. But he said it and it's a good hadith. The meaning was that he had not stopped them from doing such things while he was alive. And so because of this, in other words, he was one of those who said, yeah, they can go and wail and do all that. And he never stopped and they didn't uh, uh, learn. And it's his fault, so that's why he got punished. The wailing and the screaming at the death of a person indicates a very bad opinion of Allah. It means you don't accept Allah's qadr. The correct thing to say at the death of a person is, that's in the Quran from Allah we came and to Allah is the return all of us will die Allah said in the Quran every soul shall taste death are you trying to escape that? no and when somebody dies that's it that's the end of the game and you must Help them. They can't help themselves anymore. You have to clean their body. You have to wrap their body. You have to carry them to the grave. You have to give the fragrance in there. You have to put them in the right way. It's up to you to be strong now and patient and 
and be working together with each other. Be tolerant of each other. Do your best and pray for that person. Is that true or false? So how is it? And a woman is there going, ah, 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 in the middle of all of that. So that is why the scholars said, because the Prophet said it. But if the women were just, crying is okay, by the way. Even the Prophet cried at the death of his son. He cried. I think his son, this was uh, Ibrahim. When he, he was holding him, was he right? It was maybe four years old, three years old, something like that. Only 16 months. And, his, and he died. In his arms, something like this. So crying is not the problem. It's not that kind of crying. It's the crying out, the wailing, the disparity of, oh my God, you know, all these things of, and why did this happen to me? And oh, my poor, you know, my husband, my baby, whatever. It's not Islam. It's a form of shirk. And that's why it's disgusting. And that's why the women don't go. But, but, if the woman, you know the women are going to be in control and they want to go for whatever reason, I don't know. You shouldn't stop them. But, if you know by letting her go, you're going to have all the other women go the well, you should tell her, you know, maybe it'd be better. Just stay in a car, or you know, because otherwise we're going to have a big problem. The community starts fighting over it. You divide the people up and that's even worse than anything. It's very important for us to work together as Muslims. Some of you are here from Arab countries. Some of you are here from Asia. Some are from Turkey, different places. Me and some of us, we're from right here. But all of us are Muslims. And we're here for the duration. This is our country. This is where we need to be. So I don't need to tell you what I used to do as a Christian in Texas. And you don't need to tell me what you used to do in Pakistan or in Arabia or something else. What we need to do is find out what did Islam actually say and how can we make that work where we are now. Does that make sense or no? And then especially what we can do that will hold us together. I make mistakes. And I know that. I'm asking you please before I begin to forgive me. But I'm sure I'll do something right. I, I mean I do so much stuff. Something that's got to be good. At least one thing. I hope. So look for the good. And let's don't look for the bad in each other. Today we had an interesting thing take place here, but it was resolved rather nicely, I thought. Because Muslims, really they're big people, much bigger than the problem. And I like to see that. I want to see this continue, not just here in Indiana, but around the world. I want to see Muslims learn how to be big about something and not be childish. Really. And again, sisters, and we're going to have to look to you for some help, because you guys, you know how to handle this thing. Help us learn how to be tolerant of each other and kind to each other. And put up with some of the stuff that we do because, you know, we can't help it, we're men. What age do you wear hijab? When a girl reaches the age that she can have children, this is when she should wear hijab. Some girls don't even start till they're 17, others start when they're 6. That's true. But when she starts, she should do it. Now, if she'd like to start wearing it, maybe she didn't begin her time. Uh, she's 13, 14, but she feels like, gosh, I want to wear it. I don't think you should stop her from it, but Allah knows best. Ah, you ask a question here. There is something in one of the hadiths, I'm not sure the strength of the hadith, I'm not positive it's sahih, but it's a good hadith, at least Hassan maybe. But it said that the hadith says that there are four that will be punished for a woman who doesn't wear hijab. The father, the brother, the husband, and the son didn't mention the woman 
Why? Same thing that we just talked about, about the grave. The one who didn't teach her. Did the man... Ladies, does this make sense to you? I know it does to me. Did the man sit with her and tell her? Did he make an environment where it was easy for her to deal with it? And did he buy her the proper attire to start with? I mean, what woman would say no to new clothes? Never. But the problem, some guys want to take a used sheet from somewhere and say, here, throw that over you. You know, she's going, I don't want to do that. So let's be fair, guys. Let's make an easy way for them to know. They have to know what it is, what's required, and what's what's optional, if you don't mind me to use such a word. And then to know the when and where to wear it, because they don't have to wear it in front of their own family. Okay, next one. About virgin women in heaven waiting for the men. Yeah, this is a Hadith of Rasulullah. Actually, he's in Quran talking about this. In the paradise, there are many things that you cannot describe, you can't understand. Allah mentioned in Quran many things about the paradise. It doesn't compare with this, and those women there don't compare with women here. Women there, Allah tells you about them, do not have monthly cycles. They do not eliminate, they don't go to the bathroom. This is not in paradise. So they are not compared. So get this mentality uh, straight. Get your head straight. Don't compare that to this. It's much better. The food there is not like the food here. The digestive system there is not like the one here. What you have there is very real and it never breaks. It doesn't go bad. You don't go to the doctor. And by the way, man, you're going to love this. In the Jannah, two things. There's no honeydew list. Some of the ladies laugh. They know what I talk about. You know what that is when you get home? Honey, would you do this and do this and do this? That's honeydew. There's no honeydew list and there's no toolbox. Because you don't have to fix anything. Everything's perfect. So don't confuse virgin girls in the paradise with dancing girls here in a bar somewhere. This is totally different. This is not prostitution. It's not like, please, you know, stop reading these goofy books. It's totally different. You don't understand it. But Allah gives it to you. Do the women have anything? The women have something even better. Their husband becomes the guy that they wanted him to be here. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Oh, this is a very good question. Why are women permitted to view men during the prayer? But not the other way around. Because women are much more capable of focusing on law and concentrating on the subject, whereas men will take anything as a distraction. Anything can distract him, especially women. Good question. What about a woman in Islam who has no husband and no prospects and cannot and does not have any children? Well, that happens. That's Allah's qadr. That's His will. But you shouldn't say that because I'll tell you what. My wife, the one I have right now, she thought that she was never going to get married. She had been married one time only. She got cancer and her husband divorced her while she was dying of cancer. And he thought she was going to croak. So he ran out, got rid of her and went and got another wife. But she didn't die. She kept on going. Lived another 20-something years, 15 years after that. And then she thought, well, I can never have children because that was the kind of cancer that she had. 
And what man would want me? And I'm a Muslim from Texas and I don't know Arabic and I don't know Urdu. I don't know anything. I don't know a lot about Islam. And I have no prospects. Okay? And I was a person at that stage who had just lost my wife and I had two little girls and I'm saying essentially the same thing. Only I got two little girls and who wants a guy that's already loaded up? Nobody. Especially I wanted to get married to a Muslim lady. Who would want to marry an old guy? You know, that's what I was thinking. Actually, I'm going to end with this one because I want to tell you what happened. It was a number of months that went by and I was so upset about what had happened with my marriage and I felt like, what if I had just done something else or done this, maybe this, maybe that. I'm never going to find anybody. And then I met some brothers, some very lovely, lovely brothers from India. We're visiting our country. They couldn't speak much English, but they were so sweet. They were so nice and they were cooking some food in a little masala, masjid, mosque. And they asked me, please stay with us and please eat with us. And I was so hungry that night. I said, why not? I had my two little daughters with me. Babies. I mean, they were one was still in diapers. And I said, oh, why not? And I started eating and I felt better. I relaxed. They said, why not stay in the masjid with us overnight? I said, well, I have two little girls. I'm going to stay in the masjid overnight like that. They said, one brother has his little girl right here. Why don't you let them go home with him? And then they'll come back in the morning. I had never had my daughters away from me ever. But somehow Allah inspired me that it's just going to be okay. Let them go. So I let them go that night. And then they told me, whatever problem you have, they could see I was distraught about something. They said, only Allah can solve it. Only Allah can help you. Only Allah can help you. So in the night, get up. In the night, get up, make wudu, and then ask Allah. Pray and ask Allah. Well, I laid down on the masjid floor and I fell asleep. I was so sound asleep. It was the best sleep I'd had in so long. Then I woke up and I heard water boiling or water running or something. Some sound. I kept hearing it. It was black because it was in the mush and it was dark. But I heard like that. I said, what is that noise? Then as my eyes adjusted, I saw men standing and bowing and prostrating and sitting on the ground. All these men are praying and asking a lot and they're crying and this is the sound of them crying. And I said, this is what I need to do. I made wudu. I came back in. And I prayed to Raqqa. And I really cried to Allah. I poured my heart out to Him. I stopped complaining to people. I just complained to Allah. Oh Allah, I need to solve this problem. I need a wife. My daughters need a mother. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I cried and I cried. And I fell asleep on the floor. And I just relaxed. I woke up for Fajr. I felt 100% better. First time I really, really relaxed. Then my daughters came back. And we talked. How did you have a good time? Yeah, we met these girls. And we played. We did so and so. Okay. That's Sunday. Monday, I had heard about there was this sister, and some brother told me I was going to, you know, have my wife talk to her, blah, blah, blah. But this has been going on for weeks. And every time I see him, oh, brother, I've been so busy, you know, I had to break on my car and this and that, and another problem and another problem and so and so and so. Finally, I found out where she worked, a big department store. I said, let me go try to guess where does she work. So I went through the whole store looking. There's a lot of women in those stores, man. And I said, maybe the pure, pure female lady? And maybe, no, maybe this lady over here or that lady? I, I couldn't guess who was the lady. Finally, I remembered they said she worked in the department where they have the greeting cards and the baggage or the luggage, something like this. I said, okay. But there's two ladies working there. Which one? So African-American lady? She kind of looked like a Muslim. And another lady? 
And then she kind of looked like a Muslim too, but I couldn't decide which one. And then I told my daughter, I said, okay, so how am I going to do it? I'm going to stand behind this bookcase. I'm going to send my daughter. She's five. Just go ask the lady at the cash register. The American lady just read there. Go ask her, are you the Muslim lady? And come back and tell me. That's all. Don't, you know. She said, why? I said, because maybe, you know, uh, I'm, she said, are you going to marry her? I said, well, we're going to see about it. Okay. So I'm standing there, standing there with the other little girl, waiting, waiting, waiting. It seemed like years, you know, how time. And then all of a sudden I heard, ah! like this. Oh, I don't know what happened. And then my daughter came back. She said, okay, that's the Muslim lady. And she said, come back at 7 o'clock or sometime when she gets a break. I said, really? Why? She said, she wants to talk to you. Oh, great. Boy, I couldn't think of anything else. We went, we came back. And um, then she said, okay, we want to go down and somewhere like in a restaurant someplace, like fast food, just to sit and talk. We get Coke and we sit there, we're talking. She immediately told me the status. She didn't play around nothing. She said, I'm a Muslim lady. I want to talk about if I get married, I need to be married to a Muslim man. He has to pray five times a day. as so and so. Boy, she laid it out really quick. I went, oh, okay. And uh, yeah, she said, well, what do you expect from a woman? I said, really, all I want is somebody to take care of my kids. <laughs> but a Muslim, of course, you know, but that's the big thing. You know, this is how men are. So she said, okay, we'll talk about it. That's it. She walked off and there I am. I'm thinking, wow. Wow, is there any chance for me with this lady, you know? Next morning, she gave me her phone number. Next morning, I called her up. Fajr time. She answered the phone. Hello? She said, Salaam alaikum. I said, oh, it's Fajr time. She said, I have a clock. Thank you. <laughs> know how to tell time. Okay. Been praying 20 years. Know all about it. I said, oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> then I called her up again. This is Thanksgiving week, by the way. I, I called her up again the next day, Tuesday. I said, oh, by the way, I uh, thought I would tell you I've got to go to down to Houston, Texas on a business deal. And uh, make the offer for me. I hope it's going to be a good business deal when I come back. You know, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to call you and make an appointment to talk to you again. She said, okay. Bye-bye. Assalamualaikum. Okay. Deal worked out really good. One of the few deals I pulled off that whole year that actually was one of those business deals that really worked. I, I was so happy I came back. had money in my hand. Called her up Thanksgiving Day, and I said, uh, what are you going to do on Thanksgiving? She said, well, I don't want to go to my folks' house because I know what they're going to do. They're going to have the turkey. They're going to drink some alcohol, or they're going to do so-and-so, and people are going to be smoking cigarettes and all these things, which I don't like. She said, I'm looking for any excuse to go anywhere. I said, would you come to my father's house and be with us over there? And there's something uh, that I thought maybe you'd like to see this video, which is very interesting. It's called The Message. She said, I've always wanted to see that. Let's do that. She came over. While she was there, I couldn't find it. I found the, the wrong movie thing and put in there some debate or something. And uh, she just stared at me like, uh-huh, sure. Then my, my father was at that stage not a Muslim yet. But he was very close to Islam. And my father's a great sense of humor. He's watching me try to talk to this lady and he's laughing at me. Oh yeah, that's really this is tell you a true story. And then what happened? I messed up the tape and the thing, and now she's sitting there looking at me like. <laughs> My daughter comes running in, the same little daughter, and she said, "Dad, are you going to marry her?" 
Then she goes over to the lady and she says to her, Are you going to marry my dad? She smiled. She looked at her and she said, Well, he hasn't asked me yet. She comes over to me. Daddy, ask her. <laughs> I glance over at my dad and he's cracking up. He's having a ball with this. This is funny, you know. Damn, he's like, <laughs> look at you, man. You're in it. I said, okay, well, okay. She said, what do you mean, okay? I said, you know, do you want to? Do you want to what? You know, get married. She said, that's a proposal? I said, well, you know, you know. She said, no, I don't know anything. She said, if you want to say something, say it right. I said, uh, well, uh, would you like to get married? She said, I think you can do better than that. And my dad fell over. He's not laughing. He said, that's funny. And I'm looking for support. I'm getting nothing from him. She said, I would really like it if you'd say it like what I always dreamed about a man should say to a woman. Like a real proposal. Won't you put your knee on the ground and ask me? I said, I'm not sure that's in Islam. She said, well, it's good for me. Let me hear you. I said, <clears throat> okay. Would you, would you marry me? And she just sat there and I'm going, oh God. <laughs> Then she said, I'll never forget a word. She said, well, I must be crazy because I'm going to say yes. <laughs> and then I was like, oh. Right then the telephone rang. Saved by the bell. I ran out of the room and left her there with the kids and my dad. I answered the phone. And guess who was on the phone? Can you guess? The brother. The brother who's supposed to help me. And he said, Brother, I've been talking to my wife. She's thinking maybe she can set something up that you can meet this lady next week, maybe this weekend. She's got, I said, Brother, where are you? He said, I'm at the masjid up the street from you. I said, Listen, I mean, what are you doing? I have already met this lady. He said, How? I said, Never mind how. In fact, she's here in my house right now. He said, What? Haram, brother. I said, Wait a minute. Hold on. He said, why is she there? I said, because I asked her to marry me. What did she say? I said, yes. He said, we'll be right over. I said, who's we? Next thing I know, three brothers from the masjid are there banging on the door. That we let them in. They told her, you know, you can go in the other room. So that I want to talk to the brothers. So she went in the, in the kitchen. And they told me what's Islam in marriage. I didn't really know. I had no clue. And they spelled it out for me. And then one of them, he said, she needs a representative and this is wrong. She has to have somebody represent her. So, one of them, he asked, did you like me to represent you? She said, yes. And he said, sister, this is Islam, so we need to tell you what goes with this deal. This man has to do this and this and this and this and it has to be in writing. And then he has to give you things. What do you like? What do you want? And I'm going, hey, hey, <laughs> take it easy, guys. The next thing I know, there's a marriage contract drawn up and it's uh, all official with witnesses and everything. And what do you think? We got married and she went back home. Yeah. That was, that was our first night. She just left because she said, well, there's no rush. And actually it was several days before we actually got the chance to be even in the same house together. And alhamdulillah, 
We've been together ever since. I'm going to tell you something. She's a better mother to those children than, her own, than their real mother was. Really. And they call her mom. They love her so much. And now this lady is the one who helps me. And I, I wouldn't be sitting here now talking to you about this subject if it wasn't for her taking care of all the booking and doing all the work. And these brothers know that. How many times you made the phone calls, talked to her. So how many times she took care of everything. And my daughter's raised the same way. Now my daughter, she's 20 years old. And she's also been very, very instrumental in helping with so much of the work. And by the way, she's married now to a Muslim. And the other one is working the same way. And they make cookies and bread and sell it in the street in front of the masjid every week to help support this cause. And so I'm telling you again, I can't be a woman because I could never handle the pressure. I could never do what you ladies do. I'm so proud of you ladies, my Muslim sisters. Our mothers, our sisters, our daughters, I love all of you for the sake of Allah so much. And I'm very proud of you. And I, I just only have one request. Please forgive us and make dua for us. Because we really need your dua so much. Jazakumullah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.